Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Clark Blue Podcast. My name's Dan Rowlands and I'm here for the Monday show as we take a deeper look into all things Aston Villa. Joining me today is John Townley, back from the game yesterday. Yeah, your first home game to report on John for the first time as the main man. Matt Kendrick's back once again. Two podcasts in two days. Some work ethic this is, Matt. I'm going to need to lie down, I think, can I? Uh, John, how are you? How's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Back to winning ways now and the season's properly started, hasn't it? So, yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, it's nice to uh, to get three points on the board and goal difference back to zero as well, which is a, <laughs> a bit of a bonus. Obviously, me and Matt did the post-match show yesterday, so we've spoken about the game and our kind of general feeling yesterday. John, I'll come to you just quickly. Give me your kind of overall thoughts on, on what you saw yesterday. I do think that's probably one of the easiest games we'll play all season because that's an Everton team who were playing, I thought, below their own standards and their standards aren't very high. Like, like you look at Ashley Young, who was so reliable for us last season and then he's he's making mistakes for Everton yesterday, obviously throwing the ball to John Duran and things like that. So it, it was a cruise really, wasn't it? I don't think we'll play an easier game, but you can only be what's in front of you. And we needed that, to be honest. I think it was a perfect fixture to have after Newcastle. So as I say, hopefully we can you know kind of kick on from here and this can be the start of start of the season and last week was you know something that we can all just forget mm, the, then the benefit of us doing almost two shows now for every game is that the things that Matt, you and i didn't even talk about last night that people in the comments from last night's video were saying mention this mention that so we didn't talk about flirting to hull which seems like it, it could be a goer so we'll discuss that later as well and also how good villa park is now in terms of our, our record there eight games won in a row at villa park which is is something new probably to to you and me, John, as, as the younger generation, to to feel like you go to Villa Park and that we're going to win every single week. Obviously, that dates back into last season as well. Only two goals conceded, none from open play in eight games, which is unbelievable. Really, how good is this record at Villa Park, Matt, compared to? some of the kind of performances of the 90s, I guess. Now you know why I'm back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> old man inside. It's funny, I reckon I've said this before the podcast, but before I used to get to home games when I was a, a teenager, I used to live with my mum and dad, obviously. I used to say to my mum, go on, mum, give us a prediction for today. How do you think we're going to get on? And she got, she was brilliant. I mean, I don't know why we have, we've not got her doing the lottery numbers. She'd always nail it, you know, within a goal or two, you know, 3-1 today or 2-0 or whatever. But she'd always predict a win. Because Aston Villa, we'd always turn up to Villa Park expecting to win, and I think we've got we've definitely got that back in our mm-hmm. DNA now. And I think, listen, we were a long way from being the kind of Manchester City who win trophies like a procession every every single year. But I, I think you got that feeling at Villa Park yesterday that 
oh, we don't need to get excited for the last kind of nine minutes of injury time because this is what we do. We're at Villa Park and we win. And it's it's a nice feeling because given what's gone before in the last kind of 10 or, or 15 years, it's a lovely feeling to have. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a bit of a kind of cliche thing when you when you call it a fortress, and I always think of a fortress as being this horrible kind of really intimidating place. And I think mischief in me wants it to be like that when we have games that are those ones on a knife edge when we're playing teams mm. a lot better than Everton. Let's face it, most of the visitors to Villa, Villa Park this season, even the, the next ones from, from the SPL, will probably be, be, give us more of a game than Everton did. But uh, I just love it. I just love the idea of expecting to win. Uh, mm. It's how we cope when we don't win, I suppose. That's the uh, that's, that, that's the next challenge. Yeah, and I think you and me spoke in, in the summer, John, about how important the home form could be in, in terms of having a good season. We spoke a lot about how and uh, kind of neutrals will assess that our oh, Chelsea will be better, Spurs will be better, just kind of automatically because they've spent money kind of discounting Villa and Brighton to oh, they'll definitely drop off because of European football. We just said, just focus on yourself as long as you're winning games yourself and you, you're only bothered about what you do and you just keep kind of churning out results. Churning out results is probably the wrong turn of phrase, but kind of if you just keep going to Villa Park going, oh, we'll win. And, and that's that. If you can win what, 14, 15 home games in the league, and you're obviously going to pick up points on the road as well. That's a 60-point season, isn't it? As, as a pretty much a, as a minimum. And if if Villa are going to go far far into Europe, if you get a home title Villa Park in a cup competition, I'd expect us to beat anyone now. Yeah, precisely. I would say that later on in the season, again, if we do go far in the Conference League, I'm just not sure how we will be able to cope because yes, our squad is um, seemingly bigger and better. Although we have just lost two key players for maybe the whole season. We just don't know how that's going to affect us. And yes, we have the Villa Park backing and things like that. So I do agree with you, Dan, but let's just see how it plays out. And I, I would also say that the away form, that it needs to be pretty much equaling um, home form if we can. We saw last season that Villa had spells where they were good at home and then poor away, then good away, then poor at home. And Emery said after his press conference, you know, we started 5-1. Uh, with a five-one defeat, sorry at Newcastle, and then beat Everton four-nil. So already there's a huge, <laughs> there's a huge, a huge imbalance there. Um, so Burnley away, then Liverpool away, the next two Premier League games. He's going to want um, at least to win one of those games, and obviously Liverpool away will be a tough game. But yes, the home form needs to be good, and I don't doubt it will be. But over the course of a season, you need to be getting your away results as well, don't you? So um, I think for Emery, is is not focusing on either, if that makes sense. We know that we need to be picking up, um, you know, the points that we picked up last season. Yes, we gave everyone a 13-game head start, but we've proven that we can compete with everyone and we'll be the team that's collected the most points apart from Man City uh, since the start of uh, the turn of the year. We need to continue in that uh, in, in that of form. Do you remember, Matt, when we spoke probably a couple of years ago on the podcast now about Dean Smith's time at the club and it was talk of there was training ground players and and they maybe didn't translate into the match day. And this is a conversation sparked off the YouTube comments from last night's show. So I know that we've already, already spoken a little bit about Leon Bailey. But there were some suggestions that, is he a home player? Is he a player that can only do it at Villa Park? Now, all of his goals have come at Villa Park. I think it's six goals. Is it a problem that you've got a player who is pretty good at home, but seems to go missing in away matches? You've took my, me wondering back in my memory now. I remember... Um... Back in the day, Tom Tom Fox, I think it was the only time I ever spoke to Tom Fox and he phoned me out of the blue and talking about training ground players, he said, oh, Matt, you should see how Villa obviously dipping towards relegation that season. Or he said, oh, I should say, well, we, we, we train. It's like a golfer on the on the driving range. You can hit it as smoothly as possible, but you get him on the green and, he, and he, his game goes, uh, goes to pieces. Uh, 
sorry, sorry, it's just popped into my head about kind of training ground players. I don't think such a species should exist, to be honest. I think if you've got the, the mental strength and capacity to be a, a professional footballer and a professional footballer at one of the most competitive leagues in the, in the world, I don't think it should make much of, much of a difference whether you're playing in front of your home fans versus whether you, you're playing, playing uh, you know, on the road, basically. I think it's just coincidence. As much as we love ourselves as a fan base and think we're this, the most supportive fan base in the world, you know, I'm sure our, our, our away fans give, give our players lots of love and try, and try and make them feel as comfortable as possible. On that as well, I, I asked Emery after the game about, about Bailey specifically, but also that link that he had with Diaby, which we might touch on later on. And I know this isn't the question, but he said straight away that, oh, like, yes, Diaby and Bailey worked well today, but against Newcastle, it didn't work at all. So, and he also, he didn't hung, hang Bailey out to dry, but he also said that, he's, that he played bad against Newcastle. So he's not, I think with Bailey, I think Emery knows that there's a player in there because he trusts him because he does play him a lot. And last season, he played him a lot as well. Yeah. Even when he was out of form, just trying to give him a bit of a kick at the backside as well. Sometimes by saying things like, "Oh, he played bad against Newcastle, but today he played very well and he did his role perfectly." So it's it's all about finding consistency with Bailey. Whether it's it's a thing about playing away from home or playing at home, I'm not sure. There's probably something in that because Villa are naturally going to be um, controlling games more, and therefore Bailey's getting more of the ball and things like that. But I, I thought yesterday um, he contributed well defensively too. I think he track back quite well because you obviously had Matty Cash playing almost as like as a centre back in a back three at points so Bailey had to go the other way too so I th- I thought it was probably actually one of Bailey's best games in a long time maybe he gets momentum now and play along- alongside Diaby more often and um, continue to impress that's what we all hope anyway Was there any further clarity from Emery or, or since last night about his injury? Yeah I asked him about that and he mentioned that it, the doctor said that it was no uh, he mentioned nothing about an injury per se I think it was more maybe just an impact injury and he should hopefully be okay for Hibernian and, and, and the games coming up but he Long Coutinho, we mentioned that the doctor did come in mention about his injury but not about Bailey so therefore he doesn't think it's like a problem that um that will you know concern him the Bailey played on the right against Newcastle where Emery said that he had a bad game he plays very well yesterday to be, to be fair to him and, and certainly contributes and you know we talk a lot about pre-game about who's going to play and our comments on the Friday show we did were get rid of Bailey's you know it shouldn't be nowhere near the team he's had enough chances and now everyone's going oh Bailey played pretty well on Sunday fair play to him uh, which is the nature of football where do you get the best out of him? Where, where can you have a consistent run of Leon Bailey do you think? I think it's going to be in that position that he played yesterday because he's with Diaby, he knows him well. He's there's obviously a combination that could potentially blossom there, and he's not going to be picking up that position that Derby's playing in because that's that's the RBs. He's one of our best players, and he's playing in a key role next to Ollie Watkins. And yes, barely played there last season, but I didn't think he quite, you know, took that position as his own. I think where he played yesterday, just off the right, kind of as a winger, but more advanced. There's you know, there's some uh, responsibility for him to to track back and. You know, and get involved defensively, but can hold his width. He can get involved in different situations in the final third without having pressure, I suppose, of him scoring goals and making things happen. He's more kind of just linking play and things like that. I think that's probably his best role because I think if you're asking him to, you know, be the match winner and play in that role that Diaby is, because Diaby is simply a better player than him, I think you're asking too much from them. So. Mm. Matt, we spoke about John McGinn yesterday on on the podcast and how how good it was to see him back in form. Since last night, I've seen some stats of his. Uh, obviously, one goal, eighty percent passing accuracy, forty seven touches, two successful dribbles, two passes into the final third, five recoveries, two clearances, five ground duels won. We've spoken a lot about John McGinn over the last twelve months or so and his kind of resurgence back into the side since the calamity under Steven Gerrard. Such a waste of a player playing him at 
holding midfield and, and covering the fullbacks and all those kind of things for a long time. He was he was asked to do that. John McGinn's kind of blossomed into now he's got this kind of best position that like a almost like a number ten, I guess. I, I suppose you'd describe it as. I don't know whether you saw the the match of the day two analysis of him linking up with Diaby. That's where his best position is, isn't it? And he he joked after the game that he's matched his his goal tally from last season, yeah. but. That's what you want from McGinn. If, if you're talking about Villa getting to 60-odd points in the Premier League, you need players to chip in with goals throughout the side. And John McGinn's capable of getting six, seven, eight Premier League goals a season. So John McGinn plays well, Villa play well. And I think yesterday he was he was my pick for man of the match and he he sets the tone in, in a game after when we're talking about Tyron Mings, the captain, and who offers that leadership. I don't think John McGinn's a, swat, a straight swap for, for Mings in terms of organisation and, and personality to, to keep things ticking. But he leads by example, doesn't he? If he plays well, the rest of the side kind of go, OK, we've got, to, we've got to follow suit with that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, it's never been a desire issue, has it, from McGinn, even when he was was playing poorly. You know, you could never accuse him of, of, of going hiding. And got a little bit of sympathy for for who'd have thought I'd say this for for Gerard for for playing him there because I think he's I think he's an all-round midfielder who has got the attributes and qualities that you, you could play him in, in various roles. But the thing that I love uh, love about McGinn is I think sometimes because of his sheer I don't know, he's like a Duracell bunny and his energy and his and his and his graft and his mobility, I think we forget what a gifted footballer he is. He can see a pass Okay, he's only scored. He's only scored two goals in the last the last two seasons, but we back him to to really kind of up up the ante with that. So he can strike a ball. He can he can see a pass. He can make a tackle. He can cover ground. He does lead by example. It's it's strange that we're saying all this about him, and I'm not saying I was one of the, who wrote him off, but we're all very very disappointed with yeah. with, with him. Perhaps a, a year ago was it his fifth year anniversary? Or something recently. Yeah, signed in uh, twenty eighteen. I feel very lucky that we've got him. To be honest, um, I think he has grown. I think he's grown, grown as a character and grown, grown as a footballer. We've got a good tradition of, of, of Scottish players in that Villa team. You know, we, uh, you know, we've joked in the past, haven't we, about kind of perhaps John Duran playing like a competition winner or playing playing like like we'd play. <laughs> I think John McGinn. Every single time he turns up, still plays with the almost the excitement and the intensity that we'd love to be able to pretend we could play at. Was <laughs> it just a real, real lovely everyman quality about him? And I hope I don't know. It's, it's one of those ones where maybe um, Unai Emery will will choose to rest him potentially about against Hibs. I hope he gets to play nah. against them because I think it will just be a lovely kind of homecoming for him. Uh, 
you know, I, I assume he'll get a, a nice reception rather than the one that Andy Vyman got a few years ago when he went back to Rapid Vienna and people threw coins at him as he was stretched off and stuff like that. I'm sure there'll be a lot of warmth through him. I don't know, just a, a real kind of got a lot of likability about him, hasn't he? Mm, we'll speak about the John McGinn derby towards the end of the show. There was a quote from Ezra Concer from The Athletic, I think, that he said, when we see John McGinn pressing and working hard, it gives us all a little boost. To have him on our team is a privilege. And it's nice that the players feel the same way as that we do as supporters. Yeah, a lot more we are lucky to than I did there, hasn't he, Ezra? You, you need to get him on. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to follow Matt's uh, really good analysis there. I, yes, I agree with all Matt those Kendrick, things. Really good analysis. Wow, welcome <laughs> back to the show. How can you follow that? <laughs> he sets the tone and in our pre-season preview, I said that he's probably going to be our player of the season because in every game that Villa win, he's probably going to be at least an 8 out of 10. Get, like he, he's never going to dip below those standards, is he? So, yeah, the way that he's progressed as a footballer, I think there was quite a few players in our squad that needed a manager like Unai Emery at this stage of their career because they're getting you know towards their sort of peak years, I suppose you'd say. And he's one that's going to continue to improve. Still, I think he's. I've always said he's impossible to stop when he gets going. When he picks up yeah. the ball on the halfway line or in that position. When he gets going with it, how, how do you stop him without um, fouling him? I think it's impossible and. I always remember Mateo Kovacic of well, Man City now. He said that he's the hardest midfielder to play against or that he's played against. And that's quite something because he's played in <laughs> in every game. Champions League finals, World Cup, um, you know, semi-finals, finals. So it's a privilege to watch him as well. He, he's such a unique player. He's not one of those players that you can kind of just, you know, how, how would you replace John McGinn? Put it that way. That's another way of saying it. He, you, he's so unique in the way that he goes about his business and the character that he is as well in the dressing room as Matt says he's uh, he's the Villa captain and I think that goes a long way as well he, he's he's molded himself into that position too he, I remember he did an interview a couple of years ago um, when he was in the Scotland team and he was the vice captain playing and someone he said oh, I'm taking on a new leadership role now and he seems to have taking that with um, with two hands now at Villa. So, yeah, long may that continue. Yeah, if I was Christian Prozdal, I'd be saying you can only replace John McGinn with two or three players with, with what he offers. I think he's, like Matt said, about him being kind of a technically good footballer and you don't quite appreciate that because you just go, oh, he's a big bundle of energy, he puts his backside into players and that's kind of doing him a disservice. I think his passing range, I think it goes under the, under the radar as well. He can ping a pass from, from, from anywhere, really. As a captain, you want somebody who can speak honestly and, 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 and speak articulately. Uh, and this is, I'm probably wondering off topic here, but was um, some of his holiday photos as well on Instagram in the summer when he's on, on safari and doing a, little, doing a little dance with some of the kind of natives and stuff like that? You just imagine he's the kind of guy who... You'd like, you know, you'd like to spend time with, you know, his enthusiasm and his kind of lust for life, I suppose, just mm. would, would seem to be infectious, I think. Yeah, and something that he spoke about in his uh, post-match into uh, another another weapon that he's hopefully adding to his arsenal is penalty taking. He, he, he spoke about that in training. Him and Louise were the ones that have been kind of working on penalties. He said that Watkins had missed one in pre-season, that Emery had got Louise and McGinn practising penalties since. And they, I don't know how they decided on the pitch. I, I did watch some of the highlights back. I wanted to watch the full game, but I haven't had time. And as soon as the penalty is given, which was in the stadium, by the way, we didn't speak about it last night. I didn't even know what was going on when that penalty was given from where I, I was sat. It was like the ball had crossed the line because where yeah, I was exactly. Watkins yeah. got a touch on the ball, so and it looked like the referee had done this rather than point to the spot. And then everyone was like gathered round as they're about to take a penalty. It was like, loads of people where I was sitting was like what the hell is going on it's just as a, as a slight point of order John it's been a while since I've been in that Villa Park press, press box do you get you get the pictures I presume yeah. you get you get the replays do you get any kind of audio any commentary over the top of it or do you have uh, to only, make your own mind up from it 
No, <laughs> no audio. You, you get monitors like on every other seat, which are quite small, and they show a replay once or twice, maybe. Um, but I was with you from because where the press box is, it's more towards the north stand, so you mm. and it's quite low down, so you can't quite see the view of what's going on. I thought it was either a foul and offside or something, but uh, yeah, yeah. too fair. The referee took a couple of uh, only, only seconds, granted, but. I think that's how it should be done. He, he sort of weighed up his uh, decision, didn't he? And gave the spot kick. And it was the right decision, obviously, on Anna clattered um, the Wolves yeah. player in the week. And you're looking, you had some fans off the game saying, oh, how's that a penalty if this one isn't? Well, it's like, well, it's quite simple. On Anna's, that was a clear penalty. It, that doesn't make yeah, Exactly. <laughs> but on that John McGinn penalty as well, um, I know he didn't take it, but I would back him to score a penalty because yeah. I just feel like he would he'd just leather it, wouldn't he? Like how how could just like the rate in which the ball would um so the speed in which the ball would um you know move towards goal. I don't think the, the keeper could have reacted in enough time anyway. So yeah, Louise, really good penalty. John McGinn, I think, could take a pen. Watkins he's missed a few now, hasn't he? So um yeah, hopefully no penalty shootouts against him. <laughs> I don't know how they decided who was going to take that penalty, by the way. What I was going to say is that the only the bit I saw on the highlight is as soon as the penalty was given, McGinn turned his head and looked for Douglas Louise. So I don't know whether they had a conversation between them and said, you know, who fancies it or whether Louise is the better of the two. But he feels like a penalty taker to me, Louise, having only seen him take one. But the personality he has, he has that kind of kind of almost arrogance, I guess, or the relaxed. calmness to go, yeah, that relax yeah, he's kind of relaxed enough to to step up. Very good penalty as well. Again, probably underappreciated in, the, in, in yesterday's show, and I'd only seen it once to watch it back a couple of times since. Side netting, isn't it? No one saves that. What do you um what do you reckon John McGinn and Douglas Louise talk about away? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't see them as kind of best buds, would you? you know what Is I mean? that a bit like when they say if a lion could speak English, we we still wouldn't understand them because their frames of reference are so far apart. Like Louise and and McGinn come from so much different worlds that they can speak the same language, but they know they can't understand each other. Probably best buddies, actually. They probably probably get on famously. I just just see them as um as very contrasting figures. Uh, let's go away from the Everton game a little bit because we've spoken about it now for for last night and, and twenty five minutes of this so far or twenty minutes. Let's talk about Philogene a little bit. John, if you can give us a little bit more clarity on that. This was something that was on social media last night, pretty much straight after the game, but we didn't speak about it on yesterday's show at all. A surprising one, I think, a little bit, given it seems like it'll be a permanent move. I don't know whether it's similar to the the Aaron Ramsey one, which still hasn't gone through yet, and the rumoured Cameron Archer ones, that there'll be a buyback clause for Philogene as well. You would assume that would probably be the case. But yeah, just give us a bit of a bit more clarity if you can, and then we'll, we'll give our thoughts on it. Yeah, so for, firstly on the the sort of buyback permanent loan situation, the key thing is, and I keep saying it, that Villa want control over their younger players, whether they leave or they go out on loan. So for FFP reasons, Villa selling Aaron Ramsey for 14 million, potentially selling Philogene for about 5 million and Cameron Archer for potentially anything upwards of 20 million. That's going to help. 5 million for Philogene? Wow. That's... But that, all of that contributes to, um, but the problem is championship clubs. Championship clubs, sorry, they have no, mm. they have very little money. You know, yeah, that's no. why Cameron Archer probably won't be going anywhere in the championship because gone are the days that clubs spend. Tw- you know, we spent so much money in the championship when you, but clubs can't do that anymore because of um, finances. But yeah, Villa want control. So if Villagine goes to Hull, plays well for two years, you know, we can then get him back for obviously an inflated fee. But in the meantime, it would help our our um, FFP situation and same as Aaron Ramsey if Aaron Ramsey has a couple of good years at Burnley Villa can buy him back integrate him into the squad or sell him on for a profit still so and these players are so young Aaron Ramsey a player that's played um, a couple of seasons in the championship now but for the money Villa would be getting for him a player who hasn't uh, made a Premier League appearance yeah that's really good money and Mm. 
just on Philogene, I was surprised that there was, I don't know quite how to put this, he, he played very well in pre-season, but before the pre-season, there was no doubt that he was one that obviously the club were happy to let go. Yes, he's played well in pre-season and he's proved himself that he can um, you know, contribute in the team. But that was when Leon Bailey was, uh, Leon Bailey missed um, most of the USA tour, obviously came back for the Brentford game. Villa were always going to recruit more players. So I, I just always thought his minutes were always going to be lower. And I'm not sure if he needs that in his uh, development right now. He needs to be playing games like he was last season. And he clearly developed well because the difference between him from last summer to this summer was huge. So maybe that'll be the case, you know, the next year and the year after that. He needs that at this point of his career, I think. So if he does depart, then I think that could be a positive for both parties, put it that way. Villa get some money in for the FFP, which is much needed. Hmm. And Villa drinking you know, continue to play first team games and he obviously wants more minutes at this point. So, yeah, I, I don't think you can um, stop him doing that, especially when, you know, how, how many games is he going to play for Villa next season in the Premier League? Potentially some in the Conference League as well, who knows? But if he wants to be playing games like the rest of the youngsters, I think we, you've got to let him do that. We speak about Cameron Archer as like a low-end Premier League move or a high-end Championship move. And Ramsey going to Burnley, who most people tip to have a, a pretty decent season under company. No disrespect to Hall, but I am going to disrespect him because that's what everyone says. Philogene to Hall for five million is a much lesser move than the others. Like if everyone's saying Philogene could be starting for Villa and get rid of Bailey, Philogene promote one of your own. That level player doesn't go to Hall, does he? For five million, I'm fa- I know we mentioned it yesterday. I'm fascinated with the idea of buyback clauses. I am. I just find it. Uh, it's been a while, but I'll give you a crap analogy. I find it a bit like um, if you buy somebody a gift, but you, you think, well, I'll actually use that myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. You, so you, you let somebody else benefit, but you're already, already keeping on. I mean, as an example, <laughs> I bought my wife um, Spotify vouchers and some Bluetooth speakers for last Christmas. Along with, you know, with, with a few other things as a stocking filler. But it was, it was bought with intention. She'll forget where they are, and I can, I can use that. And I think, I think it's a, a same kind of. It's almost hedging your bets, isn't it? Really, which I think we said yesterday, quite a shrewd, quite a shrewd move to, to make. It's I think in terms of the specifics of the individual individuals involved, and particularly Philogene, my concern, and this is probably a question for John as much as a response from me, is some of these players that we've we, we've spoken about. So less so, less so Aaron Ramsey, but. Cameron Archer and Philogene, they have been involved over pre-season and we've thought, well, actually, it's a good time to kind of bed them in a little bit more. We're going to have more games. You know, how many games could we potentially have? 50 games this season, potentially, if things go out well. I know I'm being very optimistic there. Um, What's Emery's thinking now? Now we've got Buendia, we've got Mings, we've got um, Coutinho. Where, Where does this extra support come from? Because if they're the pick of our youth team graduates and we're prepared to let them go, albeit with one eye further down the future, where do we bolster our bench from, John? Is there going to be a late flurry in the next 10 days? That's, that, I know I haven't answered specifically about the one example, but that, that's, that's where I show a little bit of concern, really. I think that's why Cameron Archer probably hasn't left yet because Villa haven't got the forward in that they'd like to buy. Emery said back in January that as soon as Danny Ings left, he was like, well, we want another experience, number nine. We want to add a striker to compete with Ollie Watkins. And obviously Villa have Duran, but Emery wants two players per position. If Villa are to sell Cameron Archer, there has to be a replacement that's that's going to be lined up. And 
yes, there's interest from Sheffield United particularly, but it, it's a difficult deal to do because Villa will want big money for those players because that's a player that's in England under 21 international scores goals in the championship. If Villa were looking to buy that player, that's the money you'd expect to be paying. Hmm. Maybe Emery just doesn't think he fits right now or he's not ready, something like that, and he wants to bring someone else in that's more you know, experienced and has maybe experience of European football. We're, we're saying that with uh, the players he's recruited so far, uh, DRB, Tielemans, and Torres, and Zaniolo now. Obviously, they have an interest in Acuna. All those players are ready to win something for Villa. Whether he feels Cameron Archer, Aaron Ramsey, Jaden Filigine are ready to contribute, that's up to him. And if that is the case and they will all, all leave, then, yeah, you could expect... <laughs> As you say, late flurry. How many days do we have left of the window now? Uh, uh, what nine days? So there's, there's enough time there to complete business, and you'd expect Villa to have their targets lined up. I don't see a way in which Cameron Archer departs without someone coming in. We can't play Ollie Watkins every game, and we also can't rely on John Duran to be playing in the most of in most of our um, conference league games either. So. With exits, surely uh, more arrivals will come in. You know, he's kind of a little bit of an in-between, I suppose, in that is he a ready-made top six player, which is what we want Aston Villa to, to be, or is he a mid-range, mid-range in championship player? He's probably somewhere in between, but until he's fully established himself week in, week out for a couple of seasons at that lower level, he's not going to be ready to... I mean, how, how old is he? He's 21 now. 20. 21. So he probably, you know, he's not a kid kid anymore. He probably does, doesn't need to be going out, out playing. And if Villa can't guarantee him lots of football, which let's face it, I don't, don't, don't think we can, unless somebody higher up a lower end Premier League club comes or a recently relegated Premier League club comes in for him. It's one of those where we probably invest in a little bit more in him in terms of our expectations based on a run of games in pre-season. And it's one of those where we're probably going to have to bow bow to the manager who sees him week in, week out and knows what he intends from this squad. Yeah, I think it's the same argument for Cameron Archer as well. He's 21 and he needs to be playing in the Premier League now and regularly. So him playing in the Championship next season with Leeds, Leicester, those teams on loan, if he scores 20 goals, I think that proves basically nothing. He needs to be playing in the Premier League because at the moment we're looking at him and thinking, oh, he could score goals in the Championship. But can he cut it against the Premier, against Premier League defenders? Because there's so many good teams in the Premier League right now. There's probably... I mean, it's very difficult to say, but I just think those players they need to be, t- and that's why Aaron Ramsey. Um, I think if he goes to Burnley, which should should be completed soon, it's been going on for a while now. That's a brilliant move, and if Philogene can get that, wait, sorry, Philogene, I thought needed that, as Matt said, but if he's going to the Championship again, you're thinking, well, will he have a future at Villa? Because him playing well for Hull, does that then mean he comes into the Villa squad and competes? I'm not sure. So yeah, yeah, for for Philogene to go to Hull. If that's what if that's the case, and there is a buyback clause, and Villa want to get him back, and Villa go on to have a season this year where they're in Europe again for next year, the only way Philogene gets back into the Villa squad is if he's the Championship Player of the Year or something. He's that good for Hull. If he's as a season where he scores six or seven goals for Hull, he ain't coming back anyway. I'll make a p- prediction for Archer. I think Southampton might go for him. I know you're saying there, John, about a loan to a top-end championship club is irrelevant, but I think if he goes to somewhere like Southampton permanently and they're banking on being promoted straight away. He then gets his Premier League season next year, and we get to have a look at him in two divisions because they've got money I, to spend. Now they've what made eighty million odd on, on their midfield. They've made money, and obviously they're going to sell Charlton's now for like fifteen to Everton. But I just don't Maybe know how much money. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't know how much money they can actually spend. It's all in good bringing in money, but mm-hmm. is that going to 
that might balance the books because they have no you know Premier League money now. So we'll see. But I, I agree. I think Southampton would be a good move for him. Uh, I know I've just said about he needs to be playing in the Premier League, but if he can have that at Southampton next year, then I think that's okay. But equally if you go Sheffield United he'd probably get relegated this season he's back exactly, in the championship. Yeah. so it's difficult but whatever happens he has to be playing in the Premier League it's as simple as that let's talk about the, the Conference League then uh, a little bit of a, a preview for the Hibs game now John I'll come to you for this because me and Matt spoke about it last night the three subs that came off which is unusual for Villa to bring off Watkins and Louise in particular they play every minute don't they if they're available yeah. and the third one that I forgot last night was DRB of course uh, Coutinho Carlos and Tielemans came on <laughs> got there in the end uh, we spoke about whether that was like are those main players in Derby, Watkins and Louise, being taken off because they're starting Wednesday and Villa are going full strength, first leg, beat Hibs comfortably and kind of get ahead in the tie? Or are Coutinho, unfortunately he's now injured, but Carlos and Tielemans, is, is Emery giving him giving them 25, 30 minutes to go, right, get yourself up to speed because you're playing on Wednesday? I think he probably would have done that without even if we weren't playing Hibernian to be honest because I just yeah, think okay. we, were, we were cruising in the game it's the mm. second game of the season those players do need minutes to get into the rhythm as you say because it's difficult for Telemans when's he going to start Premier League games when you have Louise and Kamara I'm not sure same with Carlos I guess it's a bit easy for Carlos because we can play that back three at times but um I'm not sure if it's linked specifically to that or because of the players that came off then they'll play against Hibs I'm not sure I, I actually expect Villa to field a pretty strong 11 um especially in the away leg. If you can get, a, let's say, a 2-0 lead, then the home leg, you can then make changes. But I think you need to just get try and get the job done as quick as you can. Don't mess about in, a, in you know, um, and underestimate Hibernian because Easter Road will be will be rocking. And it's a scalp for Villa and every, t- every team that they play in the Conference League. Villa are, Villa are the cup final, I suppose, for a lot of teams, even mm-hmm. though it's only the playoff round. But... Villa are one of the favourites already. You look at the teams that are in there, Fiorentina, Frankfurt and Lille. I think they're the main one. Osasuna as well. Those are the kind of the big five leagues. Aston Villa are by far and away better than all of those teams. I'm Frankfurt about to lose their, their striker, Colo Moani, I think, to PSG. So that weakens them. But yeah, on, on, on Hibs, they'll be doing everything they can to try and keep Villa at bay at home. I think if we just play a strong team get the job done they can come back to Villa Park and then we can rest players for that Liverpool game I think the Hibs game on Wednesday will be more difficult than Everton that game has got more riding on it it's at their place first like Everton were one of the biggest games of the season for Hibs yeah precisely Matt would you agree with that would you be going strong on Wednesday or or do you think it's a chance for someone like Duran to be starting games and maybe feeding off the confidence of his goal on Sunday we've got to get through the qualifiers haven't we you just go go and get it won it's it's, it's early in the season people you know I know they're going to be playing what did we say 120 minutes most weeks by the time the the, the fourth officials put that extra time that added time up board but just you've got to get into the competition proper. We've made such a big song and dance about Villa being back in Europe, and I've been stung a couple of times because the, the last time we're in Europe, uh, I thought like John I was going on an exciting trip around the, the continent of various outposts, and I got to Rapid Vienna twice in two successive years. A lovely, lovely city how it, that it was. We lost, we lost in the in the the qualifiers. So, you know, I would go strong. I'd go strong on, on Wednesday, try and make sure that we've got some advantage, some lead going into the second mm. game at Villa Park because we've said at Villa Park, we back us to roll over everybody and back us to roll over Hibs at Villa Park. But I don't, I wouldn't want to give them a head start to test that theory. So I'd go strong as we as we possibly can. One name for me, each of you then, before full 11 from you, John, who plays in goal, Olsen or Martinez? Martinez. 
Yeah, likewise. Yeah, like I said, I'd, okay. I'd, I'd go as strong as possible. Okay, because it was taught that Emery likes to use his second keeper throughout every cup competition game. Yeah, so for this to be rotation, Olsen's game is coming up on Wednesday. But like yeah. you, I'd, that's I think he will play, play Olsen, to be honest. But if you ask me who I would play, I'd play Martinez. So, John, a predicted 11 then in terms of what you think Emery will do. How does he approach this game Wednesday? As I say, I think he'll play strong, but I, I'm with Matt and you. I think, I think Olsen will play. And then I think you could probably expect a quite similar team, actually, to what uh, started against... Who do we play? Everton. Um, yeah, Cash, I think, will play. Luca Dean's a difficult one because a lot of reports are saying that he's um, close mm. to agreeing to join Nice on loan, which is interesting because yeah, I, I, speak, uh, I spoke to people close to him um, at the end of last month and he was like, fully concentrated on continuing with Villa. He had absolutely no desire to leave the club and wanted to continue to fight for his place. So that that's kind of caught me a bit by surprise to be honest from the midfield to the attack maybe Taylor wants to play instead of Douglas Louise, something like that but I think you're playing a strong team there whatever because you just want to get a lead as Matt said you, you can't mess around mess about in these rounds Carlos I'd expect would come in maybe instead of Edgerie Conza and I think Torres will continue to play because I think Torres is so important to how Villa play um, so build up especially against a team like Hibs where Villa are expected to have the majority of the ball as they did against Everton and just a word on Torres I know defensively he, need, he needs to improve but I do think that when he does have the ball he's always looking to progress it and he plays such an important role in terms of how Villa are composed but they're not just keeping the ball for the sake of it he's always trying to move it on and push it into Louise Tielemans, uh Kamara those players who you know, a couple of one-twos here and there and Villa are through into the third. So I think he's really important. But I think just as strong as you can make it really with a couple of additions of maybe Tiedemans, Carlos, maybe Olsen will play. But I think you'd expect a strong team. That team should still be capable enough of going to Hibs and getting something to at least take into the second leg. I'm not, like I said, for Everton, I'm not expecting to play Hibs. And as much as I'm saying, yeah, we're one of the favourites and I think we'll, we'll get it through to the proper group stage round. I don't see us going to Hibs and winning. 4-0 and coming back to Villa Park and winning 6-0 or anything silly like that. It, yeah. it could be a 2-1 up there place and a 2-0, 3-0 at Villa Park and you uh, you put them to the sword at home. Just on Torres very quickly, we spoke about him briefly yesterday and it, we almost came at it for, well I did at least, came at it from the angle of like, well, I didn't really notice him too much and that's good for a defender because he didn't do anything silly. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm, I'm concerned about Torres or anything, but I saw a graph this morning. I would just read it off my phone. If I can put it on screen, I will. Progressing the ball via carrying it and progressing by passes and it was the Villa-Everton players. I kind of just scanned through it quickly and was like, oh, well, they are, yeah, they're so-and-so. And Pau Torres is right in the upper corner of, of being very good at both of them. And I've watched a bit more of the game back this morning, and, and yeah, what, what he does on the ball is is vastly important to us, and and will be going going forward. If Dean does go until Moreno comes back, or Torres just shift over, do you think, and Carlos and Conte will become the two in, in the centre half? Yeah, I would have thought so, but then you you've got that left side. I'm I'm not particularly keen on that because you're asking Torres to play almost as a left back, and then who's defending on the left side when he tucks around to play as a centre back? It's quite like hard to think about, but. I'd, I'm personally not keen on it and I'm not sure we'll see too much of that this season anyway because when Moreno's fit he'll play most games I think obviously Villa want to bring in that left back don't they that probably won't happen in time for the Wednesday game so I'm not too sure maybe Luke Dean will just continue to play and if he leaves then he'll leave when Villa are happy for him to leave Mm, the Dean on loan thing is interesting. I know he's on high wages and, and needs to be paying some of that, but French clubs aren't loaded with money, so they're not going to be taking... Well, I'd be surprised if they're taking 100% of his wage. I thought he was going to leave on a permanent and Villa will get a bit of a transfer fee and the wages off the books, and that was the reason why. I don't think Dean is, is the answer going forward for Villa long term. He did play well against Everton, but 
Everton were crap. So I think there's a little bit of a, of a caveat for that. Just very quickly, Max, I know that you've got to log off at, at midday. Is the squad this season, given the injuries that we've had to Buendia and Mings, possibly Dean leaving, Moreno and Ramsey out at the moment, Coutinho possibly injured for however long, Cameron Archer going, who we expected might be around the squad. Is the squad better than last year? I think it's better, whether we've got enough options. Uh, mm. I don't, well, I think the, the quality, the, the the level of quality of the of the players has improved. A, because we, we I think the recruitment so far from what I've seen, which has been very limited, but has looked shrewd. And because most of that squad have already had six months of working with a master. So I think the squad's better than certainly in terms of quality. My concern, which is what I alluded to earlier, was where are we going for depth now, now that we've got these couple of injuries? Because previously we'd have had two right-backs in Matty Cash and Ashley Young, and Ashley Young could have covered you at left-back at the moment. We haven't really got that cover. We haven't we haven't got cover in the full-back areas, really, I suppose, is my, my main concern. And do we have cover in the central attacking attacking areas? Like John says, if Archer goes, probably we, we, we left light there. So I think we're better... But I just think with the glut of games coming up, I still feel we're, we're quite vulnerable. Yeah, I think that's one that you're going to have to ask after the window closes. You'd expect quite a lot to happen in the last uh, week or so. But it's going in the right direction. In terms of the, the players that we have recruited, as Matt says, they're the you know, top quality and under Emery, I think in every transfer window that we have under him coming up, the only players that we'll be bringing in will be players that are exciting and players that can take us forward. Just a couple of last things I want to talk about uh, there away from the football, really. Any shout-outs yesterday, Matt? We got there late because I watched the watched the game with my, uh, my course, daughter yeah. in Zone and I got there uh, about five to two and then my son caught course he wanted his burger that was more important than us getting in for kickoff so i don't know how often either of you've been in trinity upper but the stairs are an absolute oh they are yeah Uh, so we got in the lift um i'll get to the point in a minute but we got in the lift and then two guys tried to get in late and it 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 meant that the weight limit was um was up so basically my, my son and his mate got out although you know there's no weight on them anyway and they ran up the stairs but there was a fella a fella in the lift who um was a big fan of the show i didn't i was in too much of a rush to get his name um but, uh, so that was nice uh, but that's about it mate how about you yeah i had a few no names specifically i had a few on the way out of the stadium coming up to shout man and say keep up the good work there's one that specifically said uh oh, i loved hearing john's food diaries from the u.s tell the lad to eat a little bit better in the future <laughs> oh, was just was a mad thing for somebody to come up to you and say in person like look out for john's like diet uh, which i thought was quite <laughs> that good. sounds like a spin-off episode for me each week i've had a few fans on uh q a's and stuff saying no how much they like the podcast so john in northampton thanks for the support and also a little story <laughs> bit of a stranger one but um henry weird one my partner's uh dad cleans his windows and they were talking chatting about villa and long story short he watches the podcast um so yeah thanks henry and pauline <laughs> it's a small world isn't it sometimes uh and lastly i just wanted to mention have you had your obviously you're not a season ticket holder any anymore john have you had your season ticket pack matt yeah, I'll go and get it, but I'm scared that I've, right, I've got, got my shorts on at the moment. No, we, we, we didn't prepare this. I'm glad you've got it there with you. Sort of nice, isn't it? Yeah, nice little um, little bonus thing that Villa have sent later than the season to get. I do find it funny how it's like, yeah, the round badge is only on the shirt. It's also on everything else that they've done. It's, like, it's on the box, it's on the season ticket. It's on the notepad and the pen and all sorts. You get a little notepad. I've just shown you these, John, in case you haven't seen them, and a pen. The only thing I'm really bothered about is the key rings. I do like a key ring. Ooh. 
It's the temporary round badge that won't be here for long. I'm a big fan of the little kind of shopping trolley. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Do a villa one of those. Yeah, Actually, if anybody's listening and they've got happens <laughs> to have their own foundry, <laughs> I'll go 50, 50% in on that with you. What I was going to say very quickly is obviously the talk about the round badge only being on the shirts and yeah, we'll review it over the course of the year and whatnot. It's been, on, it's been online on a couple of things as well, like the videos and, and whatnot. I'd be amazed if this wasn't the badge going forward just the lion it's starting to flash up in a few places almost like to see how that goes down so yeah. i'd be surprised if that wasn't the badge going forward you need to just circle quickly. it there mate because that's not going to fit in the trolley like that is it <laughs> <laughs> i've got no use for a notepad and a pen so if anyone wants to get involved in the comments if there's you, you're not a season ticket holder and you've maybe got little kids maybe you would like it leave us a comment and i'll I'll send it out to you because I don't write anything down these days. My handwriting's terrible. There might be a kid who's about to go to school who's a big Villa fan and would like a little Villa notepad for for school or whatever. So let me know in the comments and I'll send mine out. John, Matt, thanks for joining me on the second edition of the the Monday show. Every single week we'll be here to talk about the extra talking points around the latest Villa match and look ahead to the the week and any injury news and whatnot. Uh, Next up is the Hibernian game on Wednesday evening where there'll be a post-match show and then there should be a press shunt to John later in the week for the Burnley game. Do we know when that oh, is yet? Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, presumably Friday won't be Thursday because they'll be coming back. Friday would make sense. Okay, so there'll be a preview show for, for the Burnley game as well. And then next Monday we'll be here again uh, to go through the game. Obviously, John, you're not on the post-match shows, so you're going to be on every Monday one. Matt, it would be good if we always did these as a three as well because I think the conversation flows better as a three. And Maybe we'll do one of these in person together one day as well or we'll do one of them live to, to add a bit of uh, extra, I don't know, pizzazz. <laughs> All right, it's time, to, it's time to call it a day. Uh, thanks both for joining me. Thanks everyone for watching along uh, as always and supporting our content and we'll see you again Wednesday evening. Up the pizzazz. <laughs> we play them in the Conference League.